he was a nobody. God, God took a nobody, right? And uh, to, he took a nobody. Uh, now I just forgot how that went. And so that he could help everybody. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he took a somebody who became made him a nobody and became a somebody. I noticed this in my life when God began to move us ministry-wise. He brought us to a church where nobody knew us. Nobody cared about stories. Nobody cared about your history. I mean, this. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like people don't care, but in a way, you know, when you're from your own family church and your own home and your own, you got you know your parents and grandparents and and aunts and uncles and everybody's friends and related. Man, you could just say, "How are you doing?" And they're hanging on every word you say, right? You're like somebody, right? You don't have to try at it, you know. <laughs> and you know what God does in your life? He'll bring you somewhere where you're nobody, right? And you're like. And you can get frustrated with it. You can get frustrated like, you know, I don't, I don't even know what this is anymore. Alan, this church isn't the same as when you were a kid. You're kind of a nobody here. You know what I mean? I mean, you're not a nobody, right? But it's changed so much. Watch, God does these things in our life for a purpose. And he brought, he brought Moses to that place as well. When he brought us to a church in Springfield, it's like, man, now you get kind of bitter after a while until you realize, no, God is working. Because we're not usable until we're a nobody. That's when we're usable, right? And so, so don't kick against it, right? Don't kick against it when you feel like this is just not like, no, there's a reason for it. So we're looking at the life of Moses in Exodus. We saw that his mother had a huge role in his life, the protection of his mother. And we looked at that last week and the role of a mother and the life of her children. What a great role that is. She protected him from evil, right? A mother, that's what a, a godly mother is to do, protect their children from evil, protect them from the attacks of Satan. How do you do that? You set boundaries, you give warnings, you set examples, uh, you be wise to that which is good, you teach the word of God, you practice forgiveness. I mean, all of these things are taught in the home. All of these things are taught, hey, the, a lot of these things are taught before the child ever goes to school, if possible, Right? Before they ever hit first grade or whatever, I think the government's trying to get them at about three now. Isn't that what it is? Now we need pre-preschool so we can indoctrinate them so you don't mess them up with your religion, right? No, they know what they're doing, right? That's why we've got a bunch of communists in the running everything now, right? Because the government got them way too early. And, but all of these things are taught young. They're, taught by, they're directed by a father. They are taught by a mother. Don't minimize that role. But notice today... The provision of the Lord. We saw the protection of Jochebed, his mother. But notice, we're going to look at today the provision of the Lord. All in the preparing of, of Moses for what God wanted him to do. Exodus 2, look at verse 5. Exodus chapter 2, look at verse 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse and the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maiden went and called the child's mother. And we marvel and we rejoice and we kind of think it's kind of the irony of God, God orchestrating his own mother to take care of him and get paid for it. That's pretty good, huh? And how many mothers wish... Wish somebody paid you to take care of their kids, huh? That'd been a pretty good deal, right? And uh, 
Verse 9, And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. I'll give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. He's like, well, win, win. I like that. And uh, you know what caused this scenario? She refused the world. She refused the edict of wickedness. And she chose to, by faith, by faith, step out and reject what the world was telling her she had to do and obey God. And you know what? God orchestrated this. I, I fear there's a lot of things, there's a lot of times we don't see victory in our life in such a, uh, such a magnitude as this because we never step out. We never step out in obedience, right? And, uh, and uh, it's like, boy, I just, uh, people say, I really wish I could see God. God. No, God moves when we move by faith, when we move by faith. And this is what we see here. And so here it is. Uh, Satan is attacking He's attacking, and he's attacking today. He's attacking the Christian home. I, I, I've said this before. I'm really, I'm thankful I'm not raising children today. I'm thankful I'm not. You know what I've heard older pastors say? I'm sure thankful I'm not pastoring today. They said, he's, well, I had one, one, one brother who's retired now, and he, he told another, and I was at a preacher's meeting, and a young man was sitting there, and he asked the pastor, he said, what, what advice would you have for younger pastors today? And he said, well, I'm glad I'm not pastoring today. He said, God is raising up a different group of men to pastor today that we couldn't do. We, he goes, I couldn't handle what you're pastoring today. I couldn't do it. Right? What are we battling today? The sacks of Satan. It's, it's way beyond just, you know, uh, children disobeying parents, and and uh, it's it's actually beyond rock music and long hair and hippies and all this stuff. It's way beyond that now. Now now we're now we're dealing with with uh, the commonplace with uh, the acceptance of sodomites. We're dealing with uh, gender dysphoria. We're dealing with the push of having gender neutral bathrooms. We're dealing with the push of if you bake a cake and you say I'm not going to bake one for a for a homosexual, you're going to go, go to court and spend the next 15 years of your life in money in court, right? We're living in a different day. Yeah, I mean, don't you can mark it down. There's a day coming that th there'll be somebody up here, show up here, and they'll want to get married here, and they're going to demand it. And, uh, and uh, you're going to, I'm going to say no, or whoever's here, if, if it's not me, will say no, and they're going to go to court. And the court may even side for the, for the sodomites, right? And the court may run this church out of money. I mean, I'm telling you. Satan is always at, don't think it won't happen. Don't think, that's why you got to keep good walls. That's why you got to keep protection. That, that's why God has instituted membership. You got to be a member of the body, right? Why? So there's authority structure over the member, and there's the, there's the uh, authority structure to dismiss members who ought to be dismissed, right? We always want restoration, always. That is the goal, but some will not repent and I'm telling you, you know what has destroyed independent Baptist churches today? You know what has destroyed them? The lack of church discipline. I'm telling you, they have let, I, I know of one personally right now that is not dealing with known sin in their church. And I'm telling you, they're going to have the judgment of God on them soon. I mean, it is, and it is obvious, it is confessed, it is absolutely obvious. And they're just going, they're just, I don't know, I, they can, whatever the reason is, I don't know. I'm thankful, I'm, I'm only the pastor of this church and not that church. But listen, let God be true and every man a liar. We can think whatever we want. There is a reason for this. And uh, God, God's order within the body is that every one of us as sheep have authority over us. And there is an avenue of dis church discipline which is clean. It's good for us. 
right? It's a good thing. I know you don't think it is, right? No, nobody thinks it's good at the time, the Bible says, right? When the disciplining is going on, nobody likes that. But down the road, I have known of those that have gone through church discipline and been thankful for it later. Thankful for it. Thankful. How, I, 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 listen, I listened to a missionary stand up in a pulpit. I was there when he stood in the pulpit and, and told the church what he did, not, not all the specifics, but came under church discipline, asked for forgiveness, confessed it, went to counseling, and, and thankfully it wasn't uh, what was thought of, of something um, uh, that excluded, uh, disqualified from ministry, but went back to the field and has done a wonderful work. And is thankful for church discipline. He said that. He said, he said it. I am glad I got caught. I'm thankful I got caught. And uh, you say, well, he's only sad because he got caught. I, I'm not going to go there. All I know is there is an attitude, there's a total attitude of humility and, and contriteness and forgiveness. And uh, it took his lumps, took everything that was coming to him. And uh, I watched it. I watched, I've watched it several times in different churches and to watch how beneficial it was. And uh, Satan is always going to attack. Satan is always going to attack the churches of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to, he, I mean, immorality through drugs Alcohol, I mean, we have we're just worldly philosophies. Do you realize most Christians didn't have a TV in their home at one time? Not just because of bad language or anything like that. Just because of the philosophy that gets ingrained in our pattern of thinking. And we don't even know it. Right? And now, this was 30 years ago. Now, <laughs> it's funny. If anything should be the reverse, right? Forty years ago, it should have been okay to have a TV, and today it should be totally off limits. How vile it's gotten! But now it's the other way around, isn't it? Now, like we look back thirty years ago, when people obviously had some discernment and got it out of their home a lot of times, and uh, but to, and then today it's the opposite. They're just all, all heaped on. And uh, hey, some people some people can control it. They have they don't have an issue in that area, and I'm not going to say anything about it. But I'm just saying it's amazing how we used to be very careful about just the world's philosophies coming into our home, right? You could watch a, a show and you might have said, no, we're not going to watch that. Let's, let's turn that one off. Why? Because, well, what it's teaching isn't right. Well, it didn't say anything bad. Yeah, but it's, it's teaching disorder in the home. It's teaching, uh, you know, to be abusive to mom or to, to wife. It's teaching, you know, things like that. I mean, we laughed. We used to laugh years ago at, at, uh, at um, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, I just... No. Anyway, you know, you had Archie Bunker, and then you had the other ones. You know, you know, to the moon, Alice. You know, and we laughed at all this, but that's awful. It really is. You know, Edith, you're a dipstick. Why would you ever talk to your wife like that? These are philosophies that that came in. One of the most dangerous ones. And uh, you know, bewitched, and I dream of genie. What did it do? Just made it look like magic and stuff. Was just cute. It's cute. No, it's demonic. It is demonic. And that's how Satan works, right? He's an angel of light. He dresses it up and makes it look pretty. I'm just saying, we, we, Satan is always going to attack. How does he attack the church? He attacks homes. If he attacks, you know what I mean? Uh, we, we see a collective attack sometimes within a church, uh, right, by the world. But listen, he attacks individuals. He attacks me. He attacks you. He attacks us. And uh, the preparation for, for Moses, right, <clears throat> uh, from the Lord that uh, not only did he, uh, because of the attacks of Satan, God provided a place for Moses in that basket, protection. 
God provides us protection. It's available, right? The Bible says when we are, when we are tempted, right? When we are tempted, he said he'll give us, he's faithful to give us a way of escape, right? You know what happens sometimes? You see the way of escape and we go, boy, I don't know why God didn't give us a way of escape. Well, back here we could have fleed, but we didn't, right? We're told to flee, right? And uh, before the way of escape even comes about. But sometimes because we're not fleeing, we don't even see the way of escape. Do you think when Joseph was running from Potiphar's wife, right, what did he do? He ran first and he looked for a door probably, (laughs) a door to get out, right? He he didn't go, okay, while she's, you know, tempting and direct, where's a door? Boy, I don't know why. I couldn't find a door, right? No, maybe we ought to run first. That's a good, that's a good thing. It's all through the Proverbs about coming near the path and staying away and staying far from it and not going down the path to even get to it. God provided Moses a place of protection, a place that he could be cared for, a place that he could be nourished, a place that he could grow, a, pl- a place that he could uh, grow into adulthood to where God could use him. And he provided not only a place, but he provided some principles. Right? Who got to raise him but his mother? Right? Where, did, where did Moses learn that these Hebrews were his people? I mean, he, I mean, he was pretty mighty in the house of Pharaoh. He was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, I mean, he had a pretty good. He had the best education, right? Uh, no doubt. Maybe he had some position within the home. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to totally go by. Uh, was it Cecil B. DeMille's uh, Moses? We don't want to totally draw conclusions from from the movie of Moses or uh, uh, with uh, you know whoever. I think that was DeMille or whatever who made that movie, but. Uh, uh, but obviously he grew up in the home of Moses. He had some principles. Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but raise them but raise them up, but bring them up in the nurture and at the admonition of the Lord. God commands us to train our children. Isn't it amazing how much time we'll put into training a dog? Right? And so little time is put into training children. Very little time. Today, anyways. Nowadays, it's, it's, it's just, it's not, uh, the, the government trains them, the school trains them, television trains them, movie trains them. Listen, all of that intake they're getting from, that's training. It's training. Right? And you bring them to church maybe three hours a week, they're getting zero if you're not daily training in the Word of God. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Be careful about that verse because it doesn't, doesn't mean don't, you know, the other way it says to provoke them not to anger. Wrath and anger are both manifestations of living in the flesh. Wrath is in the list of the works of the flesh in Galatians, okay? This is not saying, you know, hold off discipline because they're getting angry, right? I don't know how smart any of your kids are, were, but one of mine was like, you're provoking me. I'm like, nice try. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what that word, you were also told to provoke to good works. So that word provoke isn't negative. It, it, what does it mean? We're just provoking, we're, we're moving them, pushing them. We're supposed to encourage one another to good works. In the same way, we're to encourage our children to not live in the flesh. What's the, notice the, well, if you, 
you don't have it in front of you, but after the colon, after the word wrath, it says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's compare and contrast. We don't raise them to live in the flesh. We raise them to walk in the spirit. And after the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to nurture is to guide, admonition is to teach. So we raise them up, guiding them in the way of the Lord, teaching them the things of God. The opposite of that, right, is to, is to inc- watch. If we're not, notice that word provoke. If we're not guiding them and teaching them the things of God, we are encouraging them to the Lord. We're training, listen, we are training by, with a, by a lack of not, of, by not teaching them the things of God, we're training them to go after the things of the flesh and of the world. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he shall go. And the way, when he is old, he, will not, he shall not depart from it. That's a maxim, okay? Proverbs are maxims. They're, they're outli- there's always outliers on all of those, right? And, uh, but what some, one has said, who has much better command of the languages than I do, my, one has said, the emphasis on the, is on the word he. Train up a child in the way he shall go, he'll not depart from that. You train up a child the way it want, he wants to go, <laughs> Right? Right. Not under the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, right? He won't depart from that. And we, that's a whole other uh, day we could talk about all of that. But what we're noticing here, when God provided for Moses, He not only did He provide him a place of protection, right? He provided him a place of training and guiding and teaching. So when the time came and he came of age, he realized, I'd rather be with my people than in the household of Pharaoh, where I had it made. I'd rather suffer with my people because these are my people. Why was he so happy that those were his people? Well, these were the people of God. Watch, purpose. He had no purpose in the house of Pharaoh. You know why people get so discouraged in life because they don't have, they say, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no purpose. Probably because you're living in the world. And you're, listen, a believer has no purpose in the world. You don't have any purpose. You will die empty, right? Your purpose is in the things of God. And this is what Moses uh, recognized, right? And so we see this here, and uh, and I'm going to move on to the third point, and we'll be tying everything up here in a little bit. The purpose, what was the purpose of Moses? Would you uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11. We see the list here of those saints of God who lived by faith, who chose to walk by faith. What, is, what does living by faith mean? Well, it's just actively obedient to what God said, right? It's not something out in the, you know, this, the ether that we're trying to find under this rock or that rock or what's God's will for my life? And it's just like this thing. We, you remember when you're, if you got saved when you were younger, you know, or, or got brought up around uh, church when you were younger, and this, the young people were always trying to find God's will for my life. And it was like there was this thing out here, this nebulous thing that they're trying to find, right? And what is the will of God? It's simple. Being obedient to the voice of God every day. That's the will of God. Watch. that, And when you're obedient to the will of God and to the, to the Word of God, that is living by faith. That's what it means. It's not that difficult, right? And uh, they're saying, listen, the, the world says do this, and the Bible says do this. When we do what the Bible says, that's living by faith, right? And uh, so people say, well, you just live by blind faith. No, we don't. We live by the Word of God. 
Right? And you know what else you find out when you live by the Word of God? We have a litany of, 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 of examples, Hebrews 11, behind us, before us, that we can look to as evidence, right? And so, Hebrews 11, by faith, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, right? It'd be good if Christians, once again, would be refused, would refuse to be called by this world. Boy, that'd be a wonderful thing, right? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. You know why so many of us struggle with our walk with God? Because we're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Romans 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for his power of God and his salvation. Right? And um, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every man that believeth. And uh, so, uh, so, so often we're just ashamed. Right? We're ashamed. Think about this. Moses chose to be identified with slaves rather than the controlling power on the earth that day in that family. Think if you had a choice today. Tell you what, you could, you, you are legally, let's say you are legally connected to the greatest, the richest person on the planet. Now I know for us it's kind of odd because we don't really care. I get it. A lot of us are like, whatever. But in the world's eyes, think about it. The world comes along and says, hey, tell you what, you could be connected to Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. Think how quick you could get things shipped to your house, right? Uh, you could be connected to, to Elon Musk, okay? And so think how much, what, what that identity is, even though his own kids don't want to identify with him. But just think what that identity is. You could go on a rocket trip. I mean, this is pretty cool, right? Think if you were identified with, you know, I don't know, just pick anybody, uh, you know, the head of OPEC who has billions and billions of dollars. Just say your last name is adopted, last name is now Walton, and you're connected to the Walton family. I mean, come on, you think about this. I mean, and then you look at, at all the, the plebes and the poverty of the world, and here you are up here, and here they are down here. And, but, uh, but at one place in time, you go, hmm, no, those are my people down here. I want to identify with them because that's who I am. Right? That, that's quite a deal. And see, the, wor the, the world's calling us. This was Moses, right? The ruling power of the world. He said, nah, I want to identify with them. Can I tell you, Brother Charles Elliott told me one time, and I told you this before. He said, our problem is an, is an identity problem. Christians are in an identity problem today. They just do not want to identify with Christ. Think about that. They would rather identify with the world. Oh, I don't want to dress this way. I might think be somebody might think I'm a weirdo. Oh, I don't want to. I, why? What do you, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want. I don't want to abstain from alcohol. I don't want to do this. I, I mean, just follow the list. I mean, there's things of principle of the Word of God all through the Word of God that teaches how God would like His children to live, right? And if we live the way He wants us to live, we are identifying with Him. If we if we live contrary to the way He wants us to live, we are identifying with the world. And many times, people choose to identify with the world. Because they don't want to identify with Christ and look like a bunch of weirdos. Or sound like a bunch of weirdos. You, you ever see people, they change the way they talk on the job site. Man, they talk just like the rest of them. And they'll, they'll claim, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. And you're like, really? I don't know what you're learning over there. <laughs> you, you sound like the world, right? No, no. Why? It's identity. It's identity. And uh, Moses wanted to identify 
with his people. What does that mean? He wanted to identify with God. He wanted to identify with God. We're on visitation this uh, summer. Stopped at this lady's. I stopped at a house. Uh, the men were at another street. Uh, a couple of ladies were at a, walking down another road. And this lady came out to talk to me. And uh, she didn't go to church. Her first words were, I think Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. And I said, I agree. Uh, hey, we agree. That's great. <laughs> and they got to diffuse them a little bit because it's true. We are all sometimes a bunch of hypocrites, right? And uh, had, a, had a good talk with her. I brought her off the ledge. And, um, and uh, I, she said this, though. I said, you know, I'm uh, you know, from Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, going through your neighborhood tonight. It was a Thursday night. And uh, I said something about the church. And she goes, yeah, I saw a couple ladies walking down the street here. And I wondered. And she put the connection immediately. Why? Well, they're dressed like ladies. Isn't it amazing a woman who never goes to church is, is antagonistic toward the things of God can identify, watch, those who identify with Christ in their outward appearance. Oh, you're a bunch of legalists. Whatever. I don't care what you say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think our society is actually proving us right. It's proving us right. It's a mess. Now, now, now they don't even know what they are. Now, they, now the kids over here at school, literally, I found out, I found out they're literally coming to school with, dressed like cats and dogs because they're identifying as animals now. Yeah. They have little cat ears and dog noses and things, and they've got to let them. They've got to let them. I think they should let them go out to the restroom out in the woods. Nope, you can't use this bathroom out there. Go. No, no potty in the house. Out. <laughs> right? Fix that. So anyway... No, it'd be a lawsuit. This is why I don't, you know, anyway. My ideas are not well accepted. The purpose of, my, what was his purpose? To identify with the people of God. What was his purpose? To separate from sin. What was Moses' purpose? To wait on God's reward. To wait on God's reward. That's some of the problem, isn't it? The world shows us the reward now. We live in a life of instant gratification more than we've ever lived. Some of us in here that have been on the planet over half a century, we know what it was like when you, living a life of instant gratification was not as normal as it is today. I mean, we've got microwaves. We've got uh, you know, 6,000 channels. You have the Internet on your phone in your pocket now. You have access to some people, if, if you don't mind the government listening to you. You have Siri. Uh, you have... Well, I guess all of them listen to you. But anyway, I mean, instantly, instantly. I've seen people. I mean, they're walking through their house. I was at somebody's house. And, you know, Siri, what time's the, what time's the grocery store open? And, I mean, it's like, boo. And it's, I'm like, boom, immediately. Remember the yellow pages? <laughs> Find the number. Micah, do you remember the yellow pages? Barely. <laughs> and you have to call and wait for I mean, it took time, right? Yeah. It took time. Now, boom, like that. Watch, it's, watch, it's infecting us as, as Christians. Because we're wanting, we're wanting God to do what, he, what, he, what we want Him to do right now. Right now. That's not how He works. We sing that song in His time. In His time. He makes all things beautiful in His time. Right? And uh, so true that is. Look at verse 24. By, by faith, Moses, when he come to yours, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense 
of reward. He was looking future. He's looking to a future reward. God told him, "You're going to bring my, you're going to bring these people into Canaan into the promise." Right? It didn't take too long to get to the edge, but then sin came in, and they watered in the wilderness. And watch, and then finally, sin came to his life. God couldn't let him go in at that time. Why? It wouldn't have been faith. They'd have been following Moses, not God. After he hit the rock, God said, "You can't do this." He died. He got to go up to the up. up up to Pisgah, you know, you got to look out, you know, you got to look out and see all the land. But God did, said, you're not entering this time. But he did get to enter, didn't he? When did he see it? And Elijah. And Elijah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So there was Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus in the land. He got, he got to go in. Got to go in, but uh, I like that. So, the purpose of Moses was to identify. This was his watch. He chose this purpose. Moses. It says in another place. Moses. Moses chose God. Yeah. He chose God. Verse twenty-five. Choosing, rather, to suffer the affliction with the people of God. What did he choose? He chose God. God had a purpose. He prepared him for this. God prepared him for this. He protected him for it. He gave him a good, he gave him the right home. You say, well, I didn't have the right home. Well, neither did Joseph, but that was preparation too. Don't, listen, God doesn't always prepare the same way, right? Joseph got a raw deal in the home, <laughs> okay? But it was still preparation. And God provide, pre, uh, prepared Moses. Listen, he prepared you too. He prepared you in the home that you grew up in. You say, well, it wasn't the home I would have liked to have grown up in. Well, it was the one that God used. It was the one he used. Do you know, listen, what was the last uh, 40 years of Moses' life was helping others. Did you know the experiences that God has brought each one of us through, he intends for us to use to help others, right? Could you imagine if everybody in here was sent out, grew up in the perfect Christian home, and you're trying to have empathy and sympathy for those in the world to teach them how to come along in the things of God and you've never experienced anything of what they've ever been through. You've never known what it was to grow up in false religion. You never knew what it was to grow up with an unsaved parent. You never knew what it was, right, to suffer abuse or things like that. Could you imagine trying to help anybody with... with listen, it's amazing. God puts people in our paths that were right where we are. And watch, we, we, we can help now. What did we do? That life was that we were growing up as preparation. His preparation, right? Embrace it. Quit trying to run from it. You, you, maybe you're online listening. Stop trying to run from it. Yeah. God, what, the beautiful words of Joseph, what you meant for evil, God meant for good Amen. to save much people alive, right? Embrace that. But it wasn't right. I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying it was, I'm not saying it was healthy. I'm not saying it was ideal. But listen, we're living in a sin-cursed world, and we're not going to have perfection until we get to heaven, all right? This is what we're dealing with, right? And uh, we can thank Adam later. So, anyway, he is going to be in solitary confinement for his own protection, I'm sure. No. So, anyway, God prepares. Let's be done here this morning. God prepares. He prepares us. He has a plan for your life. Even at the stage of life you're in, He has a plan for your life. Listen, you may have a, 
a larger impact on your grandchildren than your children or anybody else can have on them. How many, how many have a grandparent that had a huge impact on your life? They may not have said much, but the three things that they said you've remembered and it, and it actually directed your life in a better way and in a, in a way and, and directed your life uh, more towards the things of God. Listen, you have a purpose in your life. It's just not when you're young, right? You have a purpose there, but you also have a purpose when you get up in years and uh, God will, has prepared you for it and to use you. Listen, you have a lot more, sometimes you have a lot more uh, authority behind your words when you say, listen, I've already done that. It doesn't work. Stop it. Trust me. It's no good. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? And, uh, and they may go on and do it anyway, but listen, friend, they're going to look back and go, yeah, should have listened. Should have listened. Yeah, amen. And so God has a role for your life. He has a use for your life. Embrace it. Identify with him. Identify with the people of God. And, uh, and, uh, and then be, be used by him however he, he wants to use you. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel chose God. He chose in, in the world where it would have been a lot easier to identify with the ruling class. Right? He chose to identify with the things of God. Look where that ended him up. Right? He, he was, he was uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was, uh, uh, he was used to um, uh, consult kings. Right? He was brought in as, a, as an expert. Uh, kings were asking his opinion on things, Darius and the like. So uh, don't minimize what God has for your life. Father, you have prepared us, and we are today in the place where you, where you desire to use us. We're at all at a different stage of life. Uh, Lord, would you help us today to identify with you, to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a life that identifies with you, Lord, that we would protect ourselves from this world, that we would separate ourselves from the filth of this world. And Lord, that we would live in a submissive way, in a submissive heart and attitude as you, allow, as you endeavor to use us in other people's lives. Lord, we have no clue what you'll do in those people's lives that you use us in. And we thank you for what you're going to do. We trust you in that. And we just thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.